Bible Church. What an awesome opportunity that God has afforded each and every one of us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And as we begin our time together today, I would like to read a few verses to you from Psalm 149. The Bible says, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Well, bless God. Won't he do it? Won't he make a way? I know it's bad English, but it's right theology. Hallelujah. Thank God. Even when I can't see it, he's working. And he's working it out for you right now. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Proverbs chapter 20? Proverbs chapter 20. And as you're turning there, I want to share with you that we are embarking today on a new series, a new pulpit series for Strong Tower Bible Church. And this new series is going to be simply entitled, Trust Me, Trust Me. So from now on into July, we're going to spend some time contemplating that thought, Trust Me. Because as you read the Bible, you will find, at least in my experience, I have not found it written anywhere where God specifically says to his people, trust me. Now, we know that they are told, we are told to trust in God, to trust in the Lord. But nowhere does it say that God says to the people, trust me. But if you've been walking with God long enough, you know that there have been moments in your life perhaps late in the midnight hour, where God has whispered into your spirit, trust me. Chris, I want you to trust me right now. And some of you, you may say, Pastor, no, I've never read those exact words, but I have heard the Lord speak to me while facing a savage situation or a grueling season where the spirit of the living God has just whispered into my soul, trust me, trust me. You see, we need to know how to trust God, especially when we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on. And as we sang in the song today, even when I can't see it, he's working. So even though I don't know what's happening many times, especially in terms of this pandemic and what is going to happen in the future, I don't know what's going on, but I do know God is saying for me and for you to trust him. And so that's why I believe this series is critical for each and every one of us right now, because everything we go through in life, whether it is this virus or it's a situation where we're struggling financially, or we're having problems in a relationship, or something is going on in our body, and we're suffering, we're hurting. Everything is a test of our faith. 
James chapter 1 tells us that, that God is trying to build all of us in the area of endurance. And the only way we can grow stronger and develop more perseverance is to go through trials and tests, things that work our faith. And God wants us to see him, trust him, believe in him in spite of what we're going through. What we're going through is real, but God is greater and he's growing us up to become spiritually mature so that we can be a people who witness in the earth by our lives and not just with our lips. So he's stretching us, he's maturing us, and he wants us to trust him. Even when we don't see how he's working, we must believe that he is working and it's all going to work together for my good. Again, I don't see how he's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. He's a good God and he's on time. So in Proverbs chapter 20, Verse 24, reading from the New King James Version, I want you to check out what the writer said. He says, A man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own way? Do you see the dilemma that the writer was in? The writer is saying that his steps are of God and not of himself. So this means uh, as we look at even Psalm 37, that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So God has ordered or ordained all of our steps, each and every one of them. But those of us who are walking these steps out, we don't know the way in which we're going. We don't know the plan that God has for our lives. But we must trust the fact that he knows those plans. You see, on Wednesday night in Bible study, we were reminded that Jesus is the good shepherd. And the Bible says that he leads his sheep. He goes before his sheep. So the sheep must trust the shepherd because the shepherd has no desire to fill the sheep in on where he's leading us. He sees no need to tell us what he's doing. He doesn't ask for our input and he surely doesn't ask for our opinion. We are just called to follow him. He is the leader. We are not. So according to the writer of Proverbs, my steps are of God. And I really don't know the way. But I trust the one who is the way. Can I get an amen? Because we are saved by faith and we are to live by faith. Why? Because God is growing us in our faith. And I hope by the time we get to the end of this sermon, you will be able to say, I want to be that kind of person that God looks at my faith and rewards me for my faith. That God looks at my faith and he is marveled by my faith to trust him, to wait on him, to believe on him. As opposed to being those people that the Lord looks at our faith or lack thereof and he marvels at our unbelief. No, I don't want him marveling at my unbelief. I want God marveling at my belief. And I even want him to reward me for my faith because the God I serve is able. But this verse is so deep, I have to read it to you from another translation. So here is Proverbs 20, verse 24 from the New International Version. And that verse version reads, A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? So there it is again. God knows what he's doing, but I don't know what's going on. Therefore, I have to trust him. 
the sovereign one, the almighty one, the omnipotent one, the omniscient one who knows all things. He knows the path that I should take. Even when it doesn't make sense to me, he knows what he's doing. Then if we look at this same verse in the contemporary English version, that version says, how can we know what happens to us when the Lord alone decides? Did you read that? God alone decides the steps, the path, what our lot in life will be. The good, the bad, the ugly. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 1971, 2011, whatever it is, he determines and he decides what happens in our lives. So therefore, we just need to trust him. It's simple, yet it's very profound. And when we trust him, which means basically to, to stretch out on God when we talk about trusting him, to sit down on the person and the promises of God, believing that he will hold us, he will catch us, he will keep us. Because if we don't trust him, what good will worrying do? If we don't trust him, we will become anxious. When we don't trust him, we'll think that it's up to us. But beloved, it's always been up to God and it always will be up to God. And we're going to be encouraged by that fact today, which is why I'm going to entitle this sermon, Trust Me When You Don't Know What's Going On. Trust me when you don't know what's going on. Let's pray together. Dad, we thank you that you are in control of all things. You are sovereign. You are majestic. You are lofty. You are the most high God, yet you have regard for the lowly. You sit high and you look low. Lord, with all of the billions of people on the planet, you still know each and every one of us uniquely and distinctly. You know every hair that is on our head. Lord God, you know what we have need of before we ask. And right now, Lord, we're being tested in our faith. Are we going to trust you or are we going to faint? Lord, I pray that you would strengthen the faith of your people today. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So, Lord, as the word goes out today, May you strengthen the faith of your people and may you silence the voice of the enemy. May you silence the voices that are in the wind that want your people, Lord, to worry and to be afraid, to be consumed with anxiety. But no, God, we worship you and we sit expectant, waiting for you to speak. So, Lord, speak to me and speak through me. I'm your instrument. Play me however you wish. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Trust me when you don't know what's going on. I know Marvin Gaye sang the song, What's Going On, and he asked the question back in the 70s, but I'm not sure he even got a satisfactory answer to his question about what's going on. Because I'm not going to ask man what's going on. I'm going to trust the God who knows what's going on and who determines what's going on individually, and even collectively for the church, the nation, and the world. 
Oh my God. That's where our focus needs to be on every day, especially in this day and in this hour. You see, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that we ought to look to Jesus because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Isn't that a good word? That he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, when Jesus walked the earth uh, uh, in an earth suit as a man, he never wrote one book. Yet we know that there are volumes of books written about Jesus in libraries all around the world, but he never wrote one book. Yet we see he is called the author and the finisher of our faith. This means that Jesus has written a book about your life and a book about my life. Because when we take Hebrews 12 two, and we couple it with Psalm 139 verse 16, where it talks about all of our days were written in God's book before any of them came to pass. That means that Jesus is not only the author, but he wrote books about each and every one of us before time began, before we were ever born, and before we ever took our first steps. Our entire book was written and determined by the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to trust the author that not only did he write the book, but he's also the one who's going to finish the book. You see, you and I are in a place right now where we're on a particular chapter in our lives. And uh, we just came out of one chapter, and now we're in a new chapter, a new season, a new paragraph, a new sentence. And we have to trust the author that he knows what he's doing with our lives. You see, if God paid for us by the blood of Jesus Christ, don't you think he cares enough about the quality of your life? Not just your spiritual life, but the quality of your life that you and I might have an abundant life. Now, that doesn't mean everything is going to be easy, but it does mean that everything is going to work together for good because we love God and we're called according to his purpose. And he is also so full of mercy and so full of grace. So we trust him on this stage and on this page of our lives. We don't know what the next page is going to be. We don't know what the next chapter is going to be, but we know who the author is and we're going to trust him. As a matter of fact, just because you may be on a bad paragraph right now, that doesn't mean that the whole book is bad. Just because you're going through a hard chapter, a hard season right now, that doesn't mean the whole book should be thrown out. Why? Because according to this author, we know how the story ends. This story ends in victory. My story ends in victory. No matter what I'm going through today, my story ends in victory. I am an overcomer. Uh, I am more than a conqueror. I am seated with Jesus in heavenly places. I am going to heaven. And as far as God is concerned, I'm already there because Romans 8 says I'm glorified. So it's done. I just haven't seen it happen yet in time and space. But in the mind of God, my life is done. It's written in his book. And the God we serve, he only writes bestsellers. So he, write a best, he wrote a bestseller about you. He wrote a bestseller about me. And every day of our lives was written in his book. You know, if God, uh, uh, I would imagine the title of the book that he's written about me is probably called From Rapper to Pastor. The biography of Christopher Wesley Williamson written by Jesus Christ.
Oh my, I think that would be the title of my book. I wonder what the title of your book is that Jesus is writing about you. But oh, he's written my book. And uh, there were chapters in the past of when I would be born, where I would be born, who I would be born to, how I would take to sports and what schools I would go to. All of those things were written in chapters in the past. And here I am today in 2020. And in this chapter, we're dealing with COVID-19. In the chapter of your book, you're dealing with COVID-19. And once again, we don't know what's on the next page. We don't know what's in the next chapter. But we trust the one who is the author and the finisher of our faith. So even when I don't know what's going on, I trust the one who is in control of all things. He's the author and he is the finisher. And when I think about how God is able to uh, uh, order our steps, even when we may find ourselves walking through a precarious situation, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You see, if we, you trust in a sovereign God, you will believe that the valley is just as much ordained as the mountaintop. That the hard days are just as much ordained as the great days, the good days. Oh, that's what Job said, that, that when, when he lost everything, he said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Can I not accept uh, bad from the Lord as well as good? So he had a sovereign perspective of God. That's faith. We trust him even when we don't know what's going on. Even when we're tempted to lean on our own understanding. No, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to stand still. I'm going to wait on him to take me to the next chapter. I'm going to trust him to take me to the next page of my life. And no matter what I got to go through to get there, he will never leave me nor forsake me. He's with me. He's with you. So be encouraged today. And when I think about what he did with the children of Israel to take them from one chapter to the next chapter, to take them from slavery into freedom, to take them from Egypt on into the land of Canaan. There's a whole lot that you and I can learn in terms of how God transported his people from one place to another. So today, I want us to look at three things that we can learn from what God did with the children of Israel and apply it to what he is doing with our lives personally and collectively as believers in his church. We're going to see that God knows how to lead us. God knows how to also fly us, and he also knows how to carry us. Why? Because he did those things with Israel. He led them, he flew them, and he carried them. And he does those things with us today. He knows how to lead us when we don't know what's going on or where we're going. He knows how to even fly us when we need a boost, and he also knows how to carry us when we're too weak to carry ourselves. So buckle up. Let's get ready. First point. He led them. Oh yes he did. He led them and he's leading us. Exodus chapter 13 verses 17 through 18 reads this way. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go. That God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines. Although that was near. 
For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. So there you see it in verse 18 that God led the people. The God who freed the people is the God who led the people. And the God who freed you from the penalty of your sin and who is freeing us from the power of sin is the same God who's going to lead us. He didn't bring us this far to leave us, but he brought us this far to keep on leading us. He led them. And here's the thing you've got to see. As God, the shepherd of Israel, as he was leading them out of Egypt towards Canaan, there were at least two routes that God could have taken them. And rather than taking them by way of the Philistines, he knew they would have seen war. And by seeing war, they would have been challenged and wanted to go back to Egypt. So God didn't lead them that way because he knew they couldn't handle going that way. So God instead led them by way of the Red Sea because he knew they could handle the Red Sea. So wherever you are today, realize that God has you on the right route, the route that he knows you can bear because he won't put more on you than you can bear or that he can bear through you as you depend on him. But here's the problem. We feel like we can't bear where we are because we're not depending on him. Because wherever he leads us, he gives us the capacity to endure those situations, those mountains, as well as those valley lows. He gives us the grace to make it. But when we feel like we can't make it, when we feel like we're ready to quit and we're ready to give up, and some of us may even contemplate taking our lives because we're so discouraged and down and depressed. We need to remember, wait a minute, God will never lead me anywhere where his presence and his grace will not keep me and provide for me. So I must be relying too much on myself right now as opposed to relying on him to get through this. Because God knows, if I took you this way, you couldn't handle it. But since I'm leading you this way, I know that you can't handle it. But if you can't handle it, it's because you're not trusting me to handle it through you and even for you. And that's what happened to Israel. When they came up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was on the other side, they panicked. They lost it and they were ready to get a new leader and go back to Egypt. So rather than relying on God they began to look at their own natural resources and saw how uh, uh, impotent they were to handle the problem. So rather than looking to God, they looked to themselves. And here's the beauty of it. God led them that way, knowing that there would be obstacles. There are no easy ways or shortcuts because the, the way through the Philistine land would have been the shorter way. But God says, no, I'm going to lead you the longer way because it will build more endurance in you. And I know you can handle this as opposed to that. And they still failed the test in that moment. But God still blessed them in his mercy because he wanted to show them his power on this particular route. 
Because as he uh, had them hemmed in between Pharaoh and the Red Sea, only God could come through for them in that predicament. And again, rather than trusting God, they panicked. You're in a place right now that only God can come through for you. Don't panic. Trust God. Because if he did it, if he called you here, he will do it for you here. And so God opens up the Red Sea for them. And they walk through the sea on dry land on their way to the land of promise. So therefore, they saw the power of God there. And this was to serve for the children of Israel. Basically an apex of their faith. It was to be a crowning moment of their faith in God. That if a God can part the Red Sea like this, I know he can take care of me on the other side of the Red Sea. If he can do this miracle right now, something I've never seen done before, I know he can give me water to drink. I know he can give me food to eat. I know he can fight my battles. If he can do this, which is why he led them to that Red Sea, to see his power, if he can do that, I know he can take care of me on the other side. So believers, I want you to know that the Red Sea is not the apex of your faith. No, the apex of our faith is the empty tomb. <laughs> because had Jesus not resurrected from the dead, what good would his death have been? We would be miserable and still in our sin if Jesus didn't get up. But that empty grave lets us know that if God can raise a dead Jesus, he can raise a dead marriage, he can raise dead finances, he can raise dead relationships, he can bring anything back to life, he can do the miraculous. If he did that, I know he can do this. So he's leading you in a place where you're up against something that is beyond you. That's okay. That's just there so that you might lift up your eyes to the hills and see where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, and the one who raised his son from the dead. So trust him as he's leading you right now. When you don't know what's going on, when you don't know where you are, trust him. He's got it under control. But then secondly, not only did he lead them, but he flew them. Exodus chapter 19, verse 4, the Bible reads, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Ha! Did you see that? God says to the children of Israel, I not only brought you out, but I brought you to me. I want to be intimate with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I don't, not only want to be the God who can uh, break the back of the slave master and, and set you free from 400 years of tyranny and oppression. I not only want to bring you out, but I also want to bring you near to me. I want you to know my heart. I want you to understand who I am. I want you to worship me, to adore me, and love me. I just don't want you coming to me so I can do something for you. Yeah, I'll do something for you, but I also want to spend time with you. So God says, I brought you out to bring you near. And God says, the way that I brought you out was on eagle's wings. So God gives them an illustration a metaphor. He says, when I brought y'all out of Egypt, not only did I lead you like a shepherd, but I flew you up out of there 
on EWA. EWA. What's EWA? Eagles Wings Airlines. <laughs> yeah, that's right. God says, I flew you up out of this situation. And uh, 600,000 men on foot, not counting women and children, could have been 2 million people. And God says, I had a seat for each and every one of y'all. Matter of fact, each one of y'all had a first class seat on EWA, Eagles Wings Airlines. When you needed water, I gave you water. When you needed something to eat on this airline, I fed you. Uh, when you needed clothes, I clothed you on this airline. I protected you on this airline. I flew you from Egypt all the way into the land of Canaan. I brought you up out of there on EWA, Eagles Wings Airlines. My God. And speaking of flying, I know many of us haven't been flying during the season, but some of us have still been flying. We still have to work. Some of us have amassed uh, um, several thousand uh, frequent flyer miles. We have flown on Southwest, United, American Airlines, and, and we have all of these flight miles. We are veterans when it comes to flying. So much so that when we get on an airplane, we hardly ever check to see who is in the cockpit to see who is flying the plane that day. No, we just go and sit down and find our seat. We're looking at our ticket. Let's see here, 23F. And you're like, man, I hope it's not in the middle. Ah, I'm in the middle. And I'm sitting between two people. Anyway, so, so, so you go and find your seat. And you trust the pilot so much that you sit down and you go to sleep. And you trust a person that you've never seen. You trust a person that you've never met. You put your life in their hands as they fly you from one destination to another. And if we can do that with a man or a woman, why can't we do that with God? Why can't we go to sleep in the boat in the middle of the storm like Jesus? Why can't we go to sleep the night before our uh, a scheduled execution like Peter in Acts 12? They could both go to sleep because they trusted in God. Their times were in the hands of God, not in the hands of men or circumstances. That's faith. The Hebrew boys who were fired literally for not bowing down to Nebuchadnezzar's image. And they said to Nebuchadnezzar, the God we serve is able to deliver us from this fire. But if he doesn't, we will not bow. So do you see that kind of faith? The God I serve can come through. That's not an issue. But if he doesn't, I'm not going to curse him. I'm going to keep on blessing him. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's faith. And when you're on that airplane and you're sleeping, then all of a sudden you hear a voice that wakes you up. Coming over the PA assistant uh, system is the voice of the pilot. Again, the one that you haven't even seen. The one whose cockpit is sealed because of 9-11. But you hear his voice. And that pilot says, we're about to experience some turbulence. It's about to get rough for a minute. So therefore, stay in your seats and keep your seat belts fastened. And what do you do? You listen to and obey the voice of the pilot. And the pilot is able to get you through a rough patch and eventually land you smooth, safe, and sound. And again, if a human can do that, 
Can't we trust God when turbulence comes in our life, when disruption comes in our life, when Jesus said in this life, you're going to have tribulation, you're going to have turbulence, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. I'm going to make sure you land, even though you may go through some bumpy places. Can we trust God like that? On EWA, Eagles, Wings, Airlines, he's got us, even when it's tough, even when we're tossed to and fro. We're going to land, and we're going to land in his name. But thirdly and finally, not only will this God lead us, not only will he fly us, but he will carry us when we don't know what's going on. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 30 and 31 the Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son and all the way that you went until you came to this place. This place is what? Canaan. So God carried his people. So we see another image here, the image of a loving father whose son cannot walk on his own anymore or maybe has never walked, but the father loves the son, loves the child so much that he picks the child up and carries the child into this place, into the promised land. In Israel, you might have been walking, but God was carrying you. It's like going to the airport and you jump on one of those moving escalators. You're walking, but the escalator belt is carrying you along. Yeah, God allows us to walk, but he's also the one who carries us along. Uh, there are days when I think back to when I had to carry my son. When he was little and he was small and, uh, and he would play outside. and he, Maybe he would fall down and hurt himself or he would just tire himself out. And I wouldn't say to him, hey, man, get up and walk on in here. No, as a loving father, I would go get him, pick him up and bring him back to this place. Because God is saying once again, I'm not just the God that brings you out. I'm the God that loves you like a father loves his son. And I want to bring you near to me in the midst of this trial and in the midst of this test. He's a God who will not replace intimacy with works. Yeah, do what you're supposed to do, but don't skip being close to him and near him. Oh boy, but don't use him just to get you out. Get close to the one who brought you out. Man, it's like a father and son, or it's like a man and his dog. Y'all know I love me some Lulu, my little Lulu. And there are times where Lulu is afraid to come down the stairs in my house because unfortunately Lulu has fell a number of times down the stairs. She's getting older. Maybe she can't see as well. I don't know. Her, her claws need to be trimmed. She slips and slides, but sister girl has fell and tumbled down the steps so much that she's traumatized. And when she's at the top, she doesn't want to come down anymore. So nine out of 10 times, I have to go up and get her and bring her down. That other time, she'll muster the courage to come down. 
So I remember there was one day I was trying to leave the house. I had somewhere to go, somewhere to be. I had work to do. And I saw Lulu at the top of the stairs. And she had that look on her face as if she was saying, would you please come carry me down these stairs? And I'm like, no, Lulu, this is going to have to be that one time you carry yourself down the stairs. And I hope you don't fall. Peace. And as I was getting my bag ready to go, I kind of felt bad. And I looked back up at Lulu and she still had that look saying, Daddy, would you come carry me down these stairs? So I, I went on upstairs, picked Lulu up carried her down. And while I'm carrying her, she's so afraid of the stairs that I can feel her heart beating from fear. But she's in my hands and I bring her down to where she wants to be. And you may be in a place where you are afraid to go where God is telling you to go because you've fallen down. You've hurt yourself. You're traumatized by what happened to you. You are immobilized by fear. And the God we serve is a God who will say, it's time for you to walk. Like he said to Peter, when Peter walked on water, Jesus called him out and said, yes, walk on the water. But he's the same God when he realizes that we just don't have it anymore. We, we just don't have it today. We're struggling today. He's the kind of father who will come and scoop you up and carry you. And he'll hear and feel your heart beating in fear and he'll calm you and he'll speak life over you and sing over you and remind you of who you are in light of who he is. He'll carry us many times. So if you're in that place where you need God to carry you, ask him to carry you, to come and pick you up. Because it says here in the text that God carried Israel. <clears throat> uh, I've been watching the Michael Jordan documentary on ESPN for the past five weeks. Uh, many of the men and some of the ladies who love basketball, y'all been watching this, and it's a 10-part series, and it explains how the Bulls had developed a dynasty over the years whereby they won six championships, uh, three in a row and then later three more in a row. And so they're following the team uh, through these six championships, but there would be no championships without Michael Jordan carrying the Bulls. I said it, he carried the Bulls. He was the best player on the team and arguably the best player in the world. And without him on those teams, there's no way they would have won. And Michael has a, a, a nickname called MJ. MJ. MJ carried the Bulls. And had it not been for MJ carrying the Bulls, you would have never heard of Judd Bushler. You would have never heard of Corey Benjamin and James Edwards or Keith Booth. Who were they? They were on the team, but they hardly ever played. And they all got championship rings because MJ carried the squad. But then there's another MJ who carried his family, and that's Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson carried the Jackson 5. You and I wouldn't know anything about Tito, Marlon, Jermaine, or Jackie, maybe even Janet, had it not been for Michael, had it not been for MJ, because he was the most talented of the group. He was out front in the group. He danced the best. He sang the best. So because of MJ carrying the family, even Papa Joe got blessed because of MJ. Because it's good when you got an MJ on your squad. 
But beyond Michael Jordan, MJ, and be, beyond Michael Jackson, MJ, uh, there's another MJ I got to tell you about who's carrying all of us, and that's my Jesus. Lord have mercy, my Jesus. I'm with him, and that's the only reason you ever heard of Chris Williamson. I'm with him, and that's the only reason I win in the end, because he carried it up to Calvary's cross. He carried it out of the empty tomb. He carried the church. He carried you. He carried me. Thank God for MJ, because God says, I will not tell you to go somewhere that I will not lead you, fly you, or carry you into that place. What a mighty God we serve. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know what page you're on in the book that God is writing about you. I don't know what your struggle is right now, but I do know that all of your steps have been ordered by God, even though you don't know what's going on. But you and I must trust him. We must trust him that he knows how to lead us. He knows how to fly us. He knows how to carry us so that when we get to where we're going on the other side of this into the next chapter, we know who gets all of the glory. We don't get it. He gets all of the glory because he took care of us. Thank you, God. So here's what I want you to do today. Maybe over lunch. I want you to look back over your life because it's been said that hindsight is 2020. And I want you to see all of the ways that God took care of you and provided for you. When you came up against your Red Seas and God did the miraculous. I want you to look back and, and see that the God who was with you back then is with you right now. Because if hindsight is 2020, what should our foresight be? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Trust him. Even when you don't know what's going on, he has a proven track record in your life. Remind yourself of the things he did for you. Don't you forget what he's done when you're in this season you're in right now. Refresh your memory and share some of those stories and encourage yourself in the Lord. Build your faith back up and realize that God is worth trusting when he says to you and when he says to me, trust me. Let's pray. God, we've got to trust you. No other help we know. And we thank you for caring. We thank you for making a way out of no way. Lord, there are people in our body right now who can testify and not just sing about it. They know that you are their provider. They know that you are the one who is their healer, their guide the one who fights their battles. They've seen you in this season. So Lord, this has been a good season, even though it's been a different season. And no matter where you we are, you call us to trust you. So Lord, I pray that you would reinvigorate your people today to trust you, to wait on you, and to stand still. To not go back but to stand still until you tell them to go forward. Bless each and every man, woman, boy, and child under the sound of my voice. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.